Hello and welcome to Music Forward Foundation's Industry Sessions, Conversation in Music. Music Forward is a part of the House of Blues and Live Nation family that inspires ambition and creates momentum to redefine what is possible for young people in the music industry. Check out musicforwardfoundation.org for more information and let's get into the show. Here we go. Welcome everyone. My name is Nas and I am excited to have this day in the life conversation where we will get real world insight on being a promoter in the music industry. And we are very lucky because today we are joined by Warda Baig. And over the course of a decade, Warda's journey at Live Nation started as a college intern, probably like many of you guys are pursuing. And now she is a lead talent buyer based in Dallas. She has booked over 200 shows since joining the Dallas office in 2017. And prior to working in Dallas, she was tour director for our touring office in LA, working on tours with artists such as Chicago, Lil Wayne, Nicki Minaj, and more. And super exciting that Warda was recently recognized on Billboard's 40 Under 40 list of powerhouse young music executives. So welcome, Warda. We're really super excited to have you and get to have this intimate conversation together. Hi, hi everyone. Hi, Nas. This is, this is exciting. I've never done one of these, so I'm looking yeah, forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be good. Learning about everyone who's here listening to us and hoping to answer any questions you guys have. Totally. That's awesome. Thank you for being here. And I'd like to get started just by, you know, diving into what is a promoter? What's Is there a difference between a promoter and a talent buyer? Tell us what the job is and what do you do as a promoter? Um, I would say promoter, talent buyer, to me are pretty much synonyms, kind of same thing. Uh, you Talent buyer literally means you buy talent um, and you just go and give an offer. If they accept it, you've bought the talent and now they have a show. Promoter, I think, is, is a full picture of a buyer, uh, being a promoter, you'll know how to mark, do marketing. You'll know ticketing. You'll know production. You'll know booking. You get a little, you know, a little bit of everything, but you're mostly a booker as a promoter, but you're doing a little bit of everything to kind of help. So my title on paper is talent buyer, but I you know I have feel like I go by promoter just because I am working with our marketing team, with our ticketing teams, with our production teams and everybody around the around the whole process to get it all done. Um, I probably would say a day in the life of a promoter or talent buyer would be, it varies every single day. Um, I would say that some days you'll be busy and some days you won't be, but it's really busy. I would, it's been busy since, you know, COVID unfortunately, but uh, we have our busy season, which is the fall that you start booking for the the year after 2022. And then when you hit summer, you hit a little bit of a lull, but in that summer period, you are having shows play off and you're making sure that you're selling tickets, you're repricing, you're making sure the shows that are coming up have future ticket ideas and marketing's being done and production's all up to date. So summertime, you're really managing the shows that are playing off fall and wintertime, you're booking for the next coming months. Um, so my day, I would say like today for like yesterday, for example, is a little bit quieter. I had a bunch of like cleaning up stuff to do for shows that I have coming up next week in Dallas. But then today I spent the last like eight hours just working on projects for 2022, working on shows that are about to play off tomorrow, Saturday and rescaling prices and talking to my box office on what they need and 
working with marketing to make sure the marketing plans are done for this week and next week. And also working on future ideas for 22 and 23, uh, big ideas. So today's been a little bit busy and kind of all over the place, but really focusing on 22 booking, but still managing the 21 shows that are playing off every day. A lot of balance, right? A lot of balance of the immediate. Of balance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like immediate needs. And then I heard you say 23. So are you looking that far in advance? Yeah. We're looking at 23 for stuff, you know, that you could do and bigger setups and what are some creative ideas that you could do locally? Like, can I, can I do some sort of Saturday night funk fest or can I do something about a Texas country artist festival like things like that? Just, thinking big for two years from now and just grabbing territory and holds and dates. Uh, Cause as you know, as things change, we push things along and the dates become unavailable three years from now. Um, so just kind of, working around everything. Yeah. I have some questions I want to get into around like the competition for dates and, and artists. And, but first I I want, I do want to get into, um, to a bit about your journey because our audience is exploring journeys and, um, and career trajectories and pathways. And if I'm reading your bio correctly, you've only ever worked for Live Nation. You started as an intern and here you are. Yeah. Yeah. I've only really gotten my paid full-time job has been with Live Nation since I, since I, right before I graduated college. So I started, I was, I went to a school with, with a quarter system. I went to DePaul university in Chicago and we're in a quarter system. So I was graduating in winter quarter and right before I graduated, I started the job. Wow. That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about that starting as an intern. And then what was that like first step from intern to like paid full time and then each step to get to where you are now? Okay. So, I mean, the way it began is I, when I started college, I was like, I want to be in entertainment. I didn't know what it was. If it was music, movie, TV, but I was like, I'm going to do entertainment. And so, um, the school that I went to is a business school. And unfortunately at the time it was mostly the opportunities that were coming my way. Unfortunately for me, not for others was mostly finance accounting firms. So I was like, I guess it's, it's up to me to figure out what's out there. So I was just, you know, the benefit of having the internet and Google, I was just like researching ideas and places and the radio station came up and they were looking for a promotional intern. And so I had applied to be a promotional intern. And as I was, I got the internship for the summer. And as I was interning at an event, we were at house of blues for something. And it was a radio sponsored show. And I met this marketer who said she worked for live nation. And I was like, Oh, what's, what's live nation. And so I thought I, she told me about it. And I was like, Oh, do you guys do internships? And she said, yeah, we're about to start our, our new program. You know, if you're interested, you should look on the website. So I went back, finished up my year, kept looking on the website, finally came up, I applied and got a marketing and booking intern. So at that internship, which was probably one of the best internships I've had, I worked with the marketing team and the booking team. So I got a little um, idea of both departments and what each person did and and how how marketing works in the music world versus marketing that I've learned in school, which is more data and research-based. And then what booking is, because booking is obviously not a class, at least in my college, it wasn't. And so it's like, oh, this is kind of cool. Like you can like, you look at financial plans, you figure out um, what artists are touring, what what you can buy his, by historical data, how much you can pay for a ticket and go from there and get an offer and have a show and get it out the door and have fans experience it after six months of promoting it. So I spent about a year there learning everything I could. Um it was supposed to just be the summer. And then since my school was in the same city of my internship, they had, they asked if I could extend it and my school allowed it for credit. So I extended my internship at Live Nation and I interned there for about a year. Um, and then 
I met someone from Chicago theater at that internship as well. And so I was like, well, I got to get one more in my, in my list on my resume and I should probably see what a venue does. And so I, I interned there in the marketing, marketing department. And that was for the summer, which was all pretty awesome. And I started to look for jobs in my senior year and started Googling jobs out there. Like what's in marketing, what's in music, what's in booking. And it was just going to a black hole. Like I was applying to every company you could think of and from NBC to E to Viacom to anything that came up like sales and marketing, whatever. And I had sent, sent a note to my old internship boss at Live Nation, just letting them know that I'll be graduating if they had any ideas or any openings keep me in mind. And they had a month, almost two months of me trying and just staying in contact and just applying everywhere. They had emailed me that there was an opportunity coming in the in February, which was a contract opportunity. And it was a contract admin. So when I was interning, I was filing contracts and I learned that there's artist contracts and you have to amend them and send the wires and get the contract signed and make sure that the deal points are all correct. And that was a role. And I took it. It was a part-time job. It was 30 hours a week um, right before I graduated. And I said, well, if I want to be in and I'm going to start at this and we'll see what happens. And I did that for about a year, four days a week. And on the weekends, I worked in a retail store. And then uh, it progressed into becoming a booking assistant, which I got to learn more about booking. And I realized that booking is a path I want to be on versus marketing. Um, and I had a great mentor who still is my mentor and boss at the, in the Chicago office who uh, helped me get there, taught me all the things that he was doing. I assisted him and through the being a booking assistant, which was still 30 hours a week, actually. Um, I learned to speak with agents, learn about avails, learn about what pricing is, learn about what venue names are, venue contracts, deals, all the foundation of what a booking role would be when you went, when you eventually become a talent buyer. And from there, uh, it was about two years into it, a full-time opportunity came about in LA. And I learned about our touring offices, which is which had a project manager in which you take the foundation of booking and you help the tour buyer buy national tours and you figure out routing and financial plans for different markets and different venues and work with the marketing team hand in hand, the ticketing team hand in hand to make sure the execution goes smoothly for the tour and all the markets that we are promoting the shows in. And I'd applied for that job and got the full-time job there and moved to LA as a project manager. So it was a lot of research and persistence and time to get to the full-time role, but that's kind of where I began my journey into getting to a talent buyer, which I'm now. Interesting. And so from the LA office to Dallas, mm -hmm. same role or was it? A uh, there was a lot of growth in there. So I started off as a project manager in the LA office. And then I, I learned about what touring was, how to take what I learned in Chicago and implement it to the LA mindset of a national tour. Um, and then I moved into an associate tour director and did a few more tours and bigger venue tours and arenas and amphitheaters. And from there, I became a tour director. So this is all within like four years. Um, and sold all the practice and worked on 10 plus tours a year and learned about repricing and marketing and all the new platforms that we have in a company and how to be a full rounded promoter. And then a a new venue was opening in Dallas in 2017. The opportunity to be a talent buyer came about. And at that point, I felt that I had a lot of experience and great mentors along the way and bosses and colleagues to kind of all uh, help me get to the point where I was. And I felt comfortable to apply for that. And I did. And I ended up getting the talent buyer job in Dallas. And then I moved to Dallas to open up a new venue and start booking there and implement everything I've learned the last six years uh, into this new role. 
That's amazing. How is it different booking for a specific venue in a market versus what you were doing in LA? That's more of some routing stuff. Um, you get to learn more about the one market you're in and you actually can become an expert in it, which is nice versus working on a national level where you're working on every market in the country. And you may have, there isn't enough time in the day to learn every single detail of a market. But when you're focused on a building in a city with the same staff and the same team that you have, you're really going to succeed and learn the the good and the bad and whatever happens um, in that market, what genre works, what genre doesn't work. Um, I felt like I've been able to build more relationships with agents because I'm not just doing a handful of tours. I'm doing over a hundred shows with different agents across the country, as well as across genres. And I'm touching every single genre out there. Um, so it's, it's definitely more hyper-focused, I would say in the Dallas role, but it's been good. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Um, it's talking about, you know, de- deepening your relationships with agents. And I know the, the concept of being a promoter is touching so many different departments that you're working with on a venue level on, you know, marketing. Um, talk to me about who, who are the other people you're working with? Like a day in the life of a promoter, how many different departments, divisions, agencies, like who are all the different um, roles? Varies every day, but it would be a territorial agent that is out of CA. For example, we have a territorial agent that we work with that filters through all the acts that they're working on to route shows through us. I would talk to our production manager to get estimates on expenses for shows that I'm building. I would talk to our box office manager to um, assist with any questions she she or he has for building an event that's going to go on sale next week. I'd also work with them to release any tickets or holes that we have for upcoming shows. I'd work with their venue GM um, to make sure he has, he's all buttoned up for the shows that are going to play off. If he has any questions, I'd work with our, my, my boss, who's our president of the Dallas office of just day to day updates on what he's working on, what I'm working on, what my financials look like, what my sales look like versus his sale and what we can and what I can do to change things. He'll help me with, with a lot of things I have questions on. I'll talk to our booking coordinator, coordinator who helps manage our calendars for the venues. I'll talk to our regional marketers and marketing coordinators. So it's, it's about 10, 10 people. Yeah, that's a lot of different. Two on a bad day. So. Right. It's a, it's a lot, lot of different like, roles. Mm-hmm. But you end up working with the same people over time and you build a good, strong relationship and you know what they need and they know what you need. And, uh, you make it as successful as possible. Yeah, it starts to get a little systematic, I'm sure, mm-hmm. after a while. Yeah. yeah, which can which can help. Yeah. Um, so working with all of these different people, kind of doing all these building blocks that you've been doing along the way, what would you say have been some of the most important skills or even personal characteristics that are innate within you? That um, skills that you've built along the way or that you've noticed you've needed to strengthen or focus on or that have come in most handy in your success? Um, along with the personal characteristics, because a lot of times it's just something in you, right, that mm-hmm. uh, that you build. Yeah, I mean, I would say I've gotten this, I thought about this for a while of just, I'm going to go speak at a college panel. It's kind of the questions I had to come up there to, to kind of prepare for. But definitely, I would say determination and drive is definitely needed. If you really want this, you're going to make it happen for yourself. And for me, when I started college, I was like, I I want to get in here and I have no connections through any way from my family, from my friends. Like 
none. If I wanted to go in the accounting firm, sure, I have a bunch of friends who are in there, but in the entertainment world, it just did not exist. And so I found myself being driven to find a path to create for myself in this industry. And by researching a lot, um, by having patience, I feel like patience is key to succeed. Um, you know, you got to put the work in to get the results that you want. Never give up. That's another thing I've felt like I've I've had a lot of setbacks throughout my career and, you know, waiting, being part-time for as long as I was, as well as interning and not having any jobs come my way the first three months when I was applying and just uh, staying focused. Um, taking notes is something I'm really, I've, I work really well on. Um, I'm very detail-oriented as well. And I make sure I take all the notes. I have a checklist and I listen to people and I ask questions. I feel like a lot of people get, scared to ask questions, but it really is true. Like no question is a dumb question. Um, and ask whoever don't, don't be fearful of someone who has a title of president and, and you're just an assistant, like ask the questions they, people want to help others. And they want to help grow people. And I've been, um, fortunate enough to have great bosses and mentors that I found at this company allow me to like find ease in that. And I realized that I'm like, wait, technically they were like open to answering my questions, but it was me that asked the question. So, you know, I just, just be open, ask questions, be patient, hard work, have, have drive, determination and don't give up. Um, but just remember that there will be hard times. There will, there, there will be setbacks to a lot of things, but what's meant to be will be. Um, and, it'll, and if you want it to make it positive, just, you know, keep going for it. Um, so those are kind of the traits that I have. And I would give advice to for others to kind of get. And if they feel like, if you guys who are like listening on this panel, you know, you feel like, well, I'm not very outgoing or I don't know if I'm like driven enough. Like as much as like Googling a company one day is pretty determined to get you somewhere, right? Like you are just researching something that's first step and you'll get there slowly. Um, but it's to believe in yourself and get, the, get, get what you want. Yeah. And there's, a, it seems to be a lot more accessibility these days with mm-hmm. you know, social media and just sending a DM and checking in on LinkedIn and, you know, being able to make some of those connections, um, online and in the digital space. And, um, I actually worked with the president you're mentioning. He was Anthony, right? Nicolaitis. He was, um, the local house of blues talent buyer, you know, 15 years ago. And so, um, you know, seeing these pathways and the building blocks, right. Even as you're describing your pathway, it's I'm part-time now. And then I'm full-time and then, right. And you're like, you started what filing contracts is that we said, or. Yeah, I was, I was amending contracts and, you know, it was a great way to start because I actually got to read the verbiage and understand what are deal points. Like why Mm -hmm. did someone make this deal or why does artists take this number or what the expenses are? And you actually get to read it and go, wow, this is now I see it on paper. And then I get to see it in real life and the show plays off. It's, it's a good starting point. Um, And even if your job is part-time, like, it's what you make of it, you know? So like I was there 30 hours a week, but when I had a downtime, I would be like, anyone else need help in the office? Like, what do you want me to do? Or I, I was working like with ticketing sometimes and marketing sometimes and um, our production. So, you know, you just got to make the most of it. And it can be a lot of fun yeah. learning all those different mm-hmm. things, right? Yeah, like yeah. Learning production and seeing what's going on behind the scenes to bring it to life, you know, gives you a different perspective when you are booking the talent and the, and the artist experience and all of that. So talking about the different, the fun parts, um, what is your favorite part of being a promoter? My favorite part probably, 
I'd probably say it's seeing the shows come to life and seeing the fans be there. Um, you do, you put so much work into it and it's like months in advance that you forget what it feels like to be at a show. And you're just like, I just want to get all these questions answered and get the production done and get the ticketing out. And, you know, and then when you're there, you're like, wow, this is, this is amazing. You know, like one of my biggest thing was opening the new building in Dallas. Like I was working really hard to book shows, get the lineup. And we had some setbacks with, with construction. And I was like, well, this is, we'll see what happens. And when the doors actually open, I'm like, wow, I did this. Like I booked this talent. We got all these people in here with my team of marketing and ticketing and it looks awesome. And now three years later, you know, we're doing a hundred plus shows there and it's probably, it's cool. It's, 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 it's a, it's a great feeling. So that's been one of my best parts. Um, just seeing it come to life and forgetting it's like a job and you're like, wow, this is my job, but you kind of forget. Um, and it's a big moment for a lot of yeah. people night after night, right? Like, yeah, you're working it and it's your job, but you're changing lives and creating these experiences for thousands of people constantly. Yeah. And seeing like, like little kids be so excited for like Post Malone who played at our building. Now he plays stadiums and you know, it's festival and just seeing like the kids sing a song and then you see parents with their kids. And it's just like, you don't realize how much of a change, how much of an impact we have on these people. And then when you see it, you're like, wow, this is, these people like, you know, and, and you reach the demographic that you want to, and you got the folks in the building, they're having a nice night out. And for once they're not worried about any problems or anything like that in their life. So that's probably right. the best part totally. I would say. And then probably another thing is like, I've met such, such great people at our company and I've made some good friends throughout the years at this company. So that's been a great part of the job too. Who was the opening act at the building in Dallas? It was ZZ Top, um, which is a nice local state artist, but also a big artist. And then our next big one was Two Nights of Dave Chappelle. Oh, cool. Yeah, those are great opening acts mm -hmm. for sure. What about some of your least favorite parts? I mean, it's all, it's not all. It's not all. Fun and um, I would say the least favorite part is uh, probably. You feel like you're on call, but because uh, you have shows at night, sometimes you have shows not sometimes you have shows at night, uh, and you know you'll get a phone call if something would happen, or you got to answer a question, or you got to be at a show. You know, maybe five days a week. Last week we had five shows from Tuesday through Saturday, um, back to back at our building. So my least favorite part is like being on call on moments where you don't want to be on call. Like if you want to be at a wedding or a friend's party, is when I turn off. Um, but you know, that, that just comes with the job. And once you have a great staff in place and help and, and support it's that kind of goes away, but I probably say that. Yeah. And it's, you know, working in music, it's fun. You love it. It's work. So it's, it's a little blurry sometimes that idea of, um, you know, being on call, but you're, you know, you're at a concert or you're, you're going to show yeah. it's, it's fun, but you're also working. So I think balance, um, defining balance is something that came up in an earlier, um, an earlier conversation with an agent actually about, because it's so hard to find in music, that balance, because it's fun, it's work. What is it? Um, defining that for yourself. So, yeah. um, yeah, comes with, comes with the territory. I'm practicing it. I'm trying since COVID, you know, the pandemic started, I'm like, all right, we can figure out a balance and, you know, you take some time to yourself and get that mental stability and then come back. But yeah, totally. Speaking of COVID and, and the evolution of the music industry, how have you seen it evolve over the last few years? I mean, with or without COVID, were you seeing some things or, or where do you see it going from here or continuing to evolve 
um, as an industry. I feel like the industry is really changing, but for the good, I feel like we're staying up to date with technology. Technology really drives everything in, in our world. So, you know, pre-COVID, we streaming was big, right? So obviously the CD sales drop, the streaming is increasing and you can find your artists. Like you can see who's popular or who's the next big, big Billie Eilish, for example. Like, but it's like finding these artists and their stream numbers and you're like, okay, that's some good data. And you can see what they're hit targeting in markets. And I feel like that's helped us evolve and just research and um, find new artists, but also streaming concerts. Um, we saw during COVID when it first, when the pandemic first started, that you can have a nice night in at your house and watch a concert from your TV screen or your computer screen. And, you know, we've got a, got a new relationship with Veep, which is our streaming services. And that is something that we're evolving with and possibly look. And I've seen that they're doing a bunch of streaming stuff and concerts throughout the pandemic since last year and this year. And um, we're just evolving to grow and we're trying to keep up with technology. So I feel like we will just continue that path and we'll have more streaming opportunities for concerts. You can watch from home. We'll have more artists that will discover. We'll, you know, get mobile ticketing, which is now a, big thing you know we're not doing physical tickets that much not even us i think sports teams and a bunch of other folks are also um doing the same mobile ticketing we just like need your phone you can ticket transfer you can do all these things like just from the app and i have noticed that yeah yeah like the ticket master you know accounts and it's just sending stuff back and forth and like you got the clear app that is like vaccination proof and you know we're just we're keeping up with technology and it's going to take us to a more advanced experience in the concert world and the music world but it's all for the yeah. good i think um but we're, yeah. but we're right along it yeah i'm curious how that will because nothing can obviously replace the power of live correct right and so um with all of the streaming and you can feel like you're there and even if we get into you know vr and and some of those kind of um experiences virtually that it'll the industry the live music industry will always revolve around that power of life. Yeah. I think it's like side by side. I, I don't think the yeah. evolution of, you know, streaming and technology being so advanced is going to replace the experience of live music yeah. in person. I think it'll just help complement it. Um, and yeah. so you and I can go to a show in person and then someone in Australia can watch it, you know, while we're right. there. And I think that that is what the industry is evolving to how to work with the advancement of technology. And I think we're getting there. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, it's exciting. Yeah. For sure. Totally. Um, let's talk about artists for a minute. Um, I heard you mentioned the, the data driven kind of aspect of, of discovering artists. Um, talk to us a little bit about that process. How are you deciding on artists? What's your metric for success when booking an artist? Um, is it all data driven? Is it all, is it numbers based? It's a little bit of everything. Um, we see what they've played in the market before and our similar markets like to Dallas. Dallas, Dallas is a high performing market. It's, you know, it's one of the top five markets in the country. And so I look at, you know, how is New York doing Chicago, Boston, um, Houston, DC, like how are these markets all doing? Uh, with the specific artists that I've been approached about, right? And then I look at the Spotify numbers. I look at the radio spins. I talk to radio as well to see, like, how do you feel about this artist? Do you see a lot of 
singles coming out. You see a lot of traction. I look at um, the rooms that they've played in the past because you can find that through Google and like our databases, Polestar, Billboard, Celebrity Access, all some those information through all those I, I look at. Um, I talk to some of my colleagues who are well versed in the music world too, um, in the different markets that I that I research, and then I come up with a pretty reasonable offer. Um, and I also get information from the agents too. Like they they usually give you like a full one sheeter as well too, um, as a research base as well. And you know, for example, I'm working with like South Asian artist that I personally didn't know about. And I was approached by it and I was like, well, let me look, look at this. And all of a sudden, you know, I see the Spotify number like 6 million. And I look at the, the Instagram accounts, like 3 million who's following them. I look at what rooms they've played. I've Googled their other plays and I'm like, wow, this artist is really, it's big. They're playing clubs right now, but they might be doing ballrooms in a couple of years. And I talked to a few of my colleagues who knew about the name and I had never heard about it. And they had friends of friends who mentioned it. And so with a little bit of research of data, as well as conversations with people, you kind of come to terms of what you want to offer. Yeah. Can you mention that artist's name? I'm curious. Uh, Sidhu Muswala. Interesting. Did you book it? Uh, We're still working on it, but he's based out of Canada. um, And actually he's played a few clubs in around the country and hopefully in 22 or 23. Interesting. If he's going out, but he's not going out just yet. But, you know, he was one of the ones that was based out of Toronto. And I'm like, our Toronto office had mentioned it to me. And I was like, oh, let me look at this. And kind of did that research, but it just varies by artists, you know, Spotify, obviously streams you, and Instagram, all YouTube, all those things are there, but you want to do more than just your number data. Research. Yeah, totally. How, how much of the time are you approaching an artist versus being approached by an artist team? Is it a 50, 50 or what's mostly happening to it? To get it's probably, I say 50, 50, because I'll get some emails and then I'll see stuff that other markets have put in the system. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to call about this. So let me find out. I'll think of an idea. I did like a house party a couple of years ago with Lil Uzi. And I was like, you know, I'm going to do this summer, the spring break event. So I kind of reached out to the artists. And so it's 50, 50, just depends. And how much interaction do you have? I'm pulling some questions from the chat as I'm kind of watching as well. Uh, How much interaction do you have as a promoter with the artists themselves? Uh, It depends. I actually don't have a lot. I work mostly with the management agent, tour manager, production manager, more hand in hand. I haven't specifically worked directly with an artist. it's not a lot on my end, but I have a few colleagues who are 100% all in because some artists are all 100% all in on their entire project. So they want to see the numbers. They want to see the deals, uh, the ticket sales, the deals, the routing, all that stuff. So some are in it 100%, some are not. But personally, for me, I haven't really done a lot directly with, with the artists one-on-one. Yeah. Are you using any particular tools, websites, networks to keep up with the artist trends or, or the next hot artist? Or yeah, artist? I mean, I... I've, about every morning, I'll read Polestar, Billboard, Rolling Stone, Variety. Um, I'll get stuff from my brother. He's 18 years old and <laughs> really in the music world and loves yeah. TikTok and everything that comes out of it. So I'll get some from him. But I do research throughout there. And I also look at, I work with um, our club bookers at Book House of Blues and Hi-Fi, a new room that's opening in Dallas and a few in Houston. I just talk to them once a week to see like, what are they working on? Because like, if the artist is going to play there and he sells out, at those lo- the rooms, the next step is going to be the bigger rooms, and you know who is this person. So I do like that usually too. Yeah, that's a nice approach of kind of balancing the trades and the data and just conversation, right? Human interaction and human insights. Mm-hmm. Um, 
making some of those decisions. Um, going back a little bit to if someone in the audience is interested in your career after hearing about it and they do want to pursue this pathway, what would you recommend that they be doing right now? Are there any classes, extracurricular activities, um, internships, jobs? What would be your tips for what a young person could do to consider this pathway? I would say get a good business basic background if you can of just what a, the basics of accounting and finance and marketing, marketing 101. Just like learn about what is the science behind marketing. There's a difference between marketing and advertising. Um, and, you know, just understand like what do you do with data and how do you implement change by, re, by analyzing data? Finance and accounting, I would just say like balancing books, understanding formulas, the basics of tax and deductions and all that verbiage that you'll see because in booking, you know, we book shows, but I have a PL and I understand profit and loss and how to get to those formulas. So I would say basics of that if you have, if you are in school right now. Um, and if you're not in school or about to graduate, I would also say research to see what companies that you're interested in and see what opportunities they have um, for internship jobs or even entry-level jobs. But at the same time, if you really want to pursue music, there's venues all around the country and probably the world that, you know, they might be looking for a guest services person or a ticketing person or even a production help. But, you know, try to get yourself in the door and you may not be the right department that you want, but once you're in, you'll learn from there and learn more and try to build a connection and get to the next level that you want um, is my suggestion, I would say. I have told a few of the people that I've talked to, like, they're like I want to be alive. And, 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 I, and I said, OK, well, you know, what do you want to do? Like, I want to work in live right now. And I'm like, well, if you don't see an actual job or opportunity that's, you know, out there, then if you're able to do a surface level job that's in a venue, I would say, try it. Learn the show nights and see what it, how the venue feels and what the operations are and what the man, management is and, you know, work with the ticketing person or the venue marketing person or, or whomever and start there because you just got to get your foot in the door and then, yeah. and then you create your path for you. Yeah, exactly. And Camilla, I saw that you asked a question about interning at, at Live Nation, but you're in Santiago. And so I think what Ward is talking about, it's getting involved with your you know, your big concert promoter, big or small concert promoter in the city that you're in, because not everybody's in a New York or LA um, with that's always a big entertainment city per se, but there's live shows happening in every city. Yeah. So kind of starting with your, your pathway locally, and then um, anybody in the room can always check out internships uh, at the Live Nation Entertainment website. We have a careers website that does include all international opportunities. Mm-hmm. So we definitely encourage you guys. I can actually post that uh, link in the chat if you guys want to check out opportunities there because we are returning to live post-COVID and there's a lot of lot of hiring and opportunities going on. Hey, Allison. Hey, I just wanted to jump in. There was one more question that came in. We have about 10 minutes left. So um, I, th- I think the question is about how to handle shows that might not do great in terms of c- ticket sales, especially mm-hmm. kind of at the beginning and, and from your experience, Warda, how how you've handled those. I get on the phone with, with my marketing team and my ticketing team and we come up with a plan. I figure out what they've done. Have we targeted all the points that we should through socials, through um, radio, through local newspapers, magazines, flyering, old school flyering works for a lot of stuff. Um, 
and I work with them and I come up with new ideas that are contests, giveaways, promotions, uh, and then work on pricing, right? Like, like, let's look at the sales and see what is not selling. And let's see if we need to reprice, if we need to do some sort of value channel kind of concept, you know, do you do a giveaway? Do you do a two for one? Do you do a special weekend offer? What do you do to keep the momentum going um, with marketing and ticketing and booking? Does the show always go on? What if there are very, what, what if ticket sales are quite low? Yeah. Majority of the time they do. Yeah. I don't think I've had anything in my career where we didn't do a show because of ticket sales. Um, We've, when you, we found ways to kind of get it to look well, you know, if it's not doing well, you look at, okay, if it's in this venue and it's not, it's just, venue might be too big. What's our other option. Do we move it to another venue? Do we move it to a, do we move it to another night? Do we cut it down and put a curtain if, if we can? So we think of all the ideas out there, exhaust everything before you come to that. But I haven't actually had that happen. Thank God. Yeah. And marketing, marketing can usually jump in if it's not looking good, right? Like there's ways to... There's ways to, yeah, fill it in it as well as, you know, like reach out. We do, we do all sorts of ideas from partnerships to sponsorships, to giveaways, to contests, to... Uh, two for ones, weekend sales, you know, we, there's a bunch out there before you feel like you have nothing that you can do to help it. What's competition like in this space? Who are you competing with? Um, there's, there's a few, there's uh, AG, which I think everyone's aware of too. Mm-hmm. I have a few good friends that also work there. I have, we have Outback Presents. I want to remember a few independent, uh, companies out there Emporium. are you guys competing for artists you're competing for nights you're competing like what are you i think we're all submitting we're all have the same mission right get a concert to bring live to the fans and we're all submitting offers for the artists that are coming through mm-hmm. and you know just working hand in hand with the agent and manager and seeing what the artist wants right it's all about what does the artist want and how can we deliver to what they want and and make it a great night so we're all kind of in it on the same responsibility and just giving the same options to the artists and coming from there. But there's a handful out there. We have a, there's an AG office in Dallas. There's one, I think in New York, no, in LA, maybe in New York, I'm not hundred percent sure, but they're there. I've got a few others out there, but I know yeah. people in all of them and they're all really great people. Yeah. So. It's, a, it's a friendly competition, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite concert? Probably say my favorite concert would be Jay-Z and Beyonce on the run. I think those as one of my goals to see when I first started in the industry and I got to see them in a stadium in uh, LA and that was fun. Super fun. Uh, favorite venue? Uh, favorite venue? I'll probably be biased and say mine. The Pavilion <laughs> Music Factory in Dallas, but I could, I think the Hollywood Bowl is really cool. Yeah, Hollywood Bowl. I would say that's my favorite as well. What about first concert? First concert was in 2000 and it was a Backstreet Boys Millennium Tour. And I remember mm-hmm. I sat on the last row and I was like, I got tickets. It's so exciting. Took like a whole lottery, go on the line for Ticketmaster. And now I like think about it. I'm like, wow, it's all the way up there. That's amazing. Um, what about your most memorable concert that you've produced essentially or that you made happen? I would say my most memorable that comes to mind, there's a few, but Probably the most exciting one was Stevie Wonder. Um, we did three shows in one day to promote an announcement. So we had planned him to go from D.C. to Philly to New York. 
and he performed at each city in one day and finished up his travels in New York Essential Park stage. Um, it was planned three days before when before he flew um, on his, on between the cities and we got it executed and it was an amazing feeling to see it at Central Park in the summer stage on a Monday night. Was what? Wow. Mm-hmm. That's an incredible, was it, yeah. t- 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 oh, sin- summer stage is, isn't ticketed, right? It's a- no, no, it was public. So it was, I did not know it existed when I first got assigned this and I was like, oh, this is really cool. You could get things done. And I'm like, who would have thought? And, and you could do three cities in one day, you know, he stopped in DC, then he stopped in Philly and did a performance. And then he came in to New York and did his last performance. That was very yeah, cool. That's incredible. Porta, we just had one more question come in. Um, yeah. that, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interject there. Yeah. Um, it says, uh, when you're trying to put on a show of maybe a different genre that the market isn't used to, how do you know if it needs more time for the market to adapt to this genre or if the genre doesn't work in this market? Uh, that's a really good question. Um, I probably say if it ends up not selling what you expected it to sell, you'll know that there might be a, a an issue with with the genre in the market, but I don't think it'd be hard to fix. I think we need to figure out if you did an artist and you didn't sell what you thought it would and your marketing didn't go as wide as it should, you regroup and go, okay. How was that other, how was this show successful in another market? Because it obviously was. And then you figure out, okay, do we have those resources? Um, and then you try to try it again, you know, and then, and then you see if it works and then, and then you try it again. And, then, and if it doesn't work, then, then you know that the market's not ad- adapting to it or, and you also don't have the support to push this new genre. But I feel that the genre of music has evolved throughout time in our country. And I feel like, we will always find a way to get folks to adapt to new genres of music. Maybe not as fast as we would like, but it'll get there. You know, we have Latin music that started that people were like, I'm not sure if it's going to sell well. Now we sell out arenas and stadiums in Dallas or in Texas and New York and LA. And, you know, you're going to Hidalgo and small cities in Texas. And then you get uh, K-pop. I mean, how did we know that it wasn't going to work or not? But you have the fan base there now. And now I'm working on some South Asian music as well. And the, you'll first target the major demographics of this genre to see where they are. And then you'll start expanding to other markets. But I'd probably say, once you see your sales, you'll, you'll, you'll t- regroup with your marketing and see what can you do. That's a good question, Harris. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. All right. We are at our last minute of session time. Final piece of advice. My final piece of advice would be don't give up have patience and keep researching to get what you want. It's all about research and networking. Um, but you want to show your determination in it too, right? Like it's not just about going on LinkedIn and emailing a bunch of people, but you want to set up meetings and you want to have conversations on the phone or zoom or while you're visiting a new city, you go to a venue and check out the venue. But I would say, keep researching, have patience, Keep working hard and don't give up. It's four things, but it's key to success, I think. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time, sharing no your story and your insights. Um, it can be a really fun career. So I hope that um, I hope that the audience listening was able to, to garner some some direction for their yeah. own personal pathways. Good luck to everybody and you know, 
stay determined. You'll you'll get the path and job that you want at the end of the day. Thanks.